Hello everybody, this is Relic, a classic paintball podcast. I'm your host, Tori Shrum. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode, episode number one, is brought to you by my back pocket. For now, we'll see how that works out going forward. Today's episode, Alex Quaz, the Quaz, one of the original Fight Club OGs, giving us a low down and dirty, uh, how he got to where he was. I uh, have the privilege of uh, being a friend of his for a long time and uh, was really stoked to actually hear his story. Uh, there are some tef- technical difficulties on this first episode. You can definitely hear me mouth breathing the entire time, but it is a work in progress. So from here on out, hopefully it gets better and you get to enjoy it a little bit more and enjoy the show. Dude, What's up? looks like we got the same uniform on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How you doing, man? Doing good, staying busy. How about you? Same, man. It, it never slows down for me. Uh, right now, I've, uh, I've got four kids. I'm a military contractor, and I'm still in the reserves. So okay. it's like nonstop around here. Yeah, well, you're too busy working on guns and going out and smashing people in the pro fields and stuff like that, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, congratulations. This is episode one. Uh, I tried to, a couple of times, just like sit down and do like my manifesto or whatever, but it always turned into like three or five minutes of me just like rambling on about nothing. So I was like, I need to get it somebody on here to try to at least make it to seven minutes you know what i mean i got you i got you <laughs> oh i don't think i don't think it would be a bad thing though if you kind of did like an intro kind of like a you know kind of like a like a purpose you know like what is your what is your podcast what's it about you know yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna build that at some point i've got a i've got a front load that i'm just trying to get like some meat to go with the potatoes so to speak right now but uh, yeah, at some point, I think everybody will understand that it's it's like a classic paintball podcast. I'm still gonna talk to some people about um, you know, like some industry partners or industry people, things like that. But in general, I'm not gonna try to talk about like the TM40 or something like that. You know what I mean? Right, Even though right, I'm sure right. it's a miraculous gun, but still, it's uh, not exactly. I mean, unless you're talking about the mech frame on it or whatever, it's not exactly the direction I'm going right now. Uh. So, welcome to episode one of Relic, uh, classic paintball podcast. That sounds cheesy or feel cheesy just saying that, but uh, I, I felt like it was a niche that needed to be, a niche that needed to be scratched and a niche that needed to be filled. You know what I mean? Just uh, there's a lot of good paintball podcasts out there. Like I, I don't know if you listen to any of them or whatever, but like I, I listen to Carl uh, from the Playing On podcast probably three, four times a week, and then there's the um, there's the what is it? Overshot paintball podcast, and then uh, then there's the dudes from Dynasty that's got like the uh, the play the game podcast, and they're all great, and it, it covers a lot of stuff, but it's just not. Um, I mean, people like I almost kind of built this for someone like me, for instance. Like, I can't play X ball. Like, I would love to play X ball, and physically I can play, but I just don't have time, man. Well, and I I actually know exactly what you're talking about because you know I enjoy X ball, but I really I really don't follow the like I used to so those podcasts you know it's kind of like if you don't really follow the NXL they really kind of don't they're really not that interesting you know yeah so, so I, I do I do understand what you're saying I think I think you do kind of feel you could fill that niche yeah I, I hate to admit that I probably follow it more than I should for someone who doesn't play X-Ball as far as like keeping up on what's going on uh, for instance, oh, like right, I, right. I got excited that, you know, Dynasty won, even though like part of me doesn't like Dynasty, but then the other part's like, okay, those boys have been due for a win in a while. But, um, you know, uh, but still like this, uh, this is going to be for, you know, like people who, who played 10 man back in the day or really liked 10 man or, uh, who like mechanical or who want to play X-Ball and mechanical or whatever. I just, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of untold stories out there. And I think one, once upon a time, uh, Maddie said like it's all about making people want to understand it and listen to the story so 
but uh, we have uh, quite a bit of history, so there's a little bit of a story there, man. I think, yeah, how, old, yeah. how old were you when I met you? Um, so, probably back then, I was probably just turned 18 or 19, because I think I had already moved to North Carolina. I moved to North Carolina in 2003, and that's kind of when I really started playing tournament paintball. Um, I kind of, I, I grew up in Minnesota, and I, I went to high school and everything there, so it really where I lived, I didn't travel, so we just played in the woods, in the backyard, you know, we all had Walmart guns, and you'd have to, you know, you basically played until you ran out of CO2, and then you'd have to go into town and fill back up, and, <laughs> you know, the, the 200 round Walmart, uh, brass eagle tubes, and, yeah. you know, all that, that's, you know, so, so, you know, to really start, I guess I, I started, we all started in 97. Uh, in Minnesota in that summer and uh, we start, we started because uh, we used to play cap gun wars in like a gravel pit when we were you know kids and we would always argue about you know you didn't hit me you can't shoot that far <laughs> through the brush blah 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 so we all decided we were going to save up and buy paintball guns so there was no arguing it you know you're either hit or you're not hit yeah so that's kind of how it started and uh, we played in the woods. Um, once a year, we would all save up, and we would go to, like, the local field. But, I mean, back then in Minnesota, I mean, it was almost $100 a case. So it was kind of one of those things where we would all we would all get rental guns because, I mean, the rental guns were better than our Walmart guns, and paint was so expensive. I mean, you're going out there with, you know, 200 rounds the last two or three games. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was a blast, and then... Carolina, that's kind of when I, you know, saw and started playing speedball. Um, my first, my first real speedball tournament was 2001, I believe, in Kingsport, Tennessee, was a CFOA. Um, before that, we had played like uh, some three-man, some local three-mans, uh, started at Triangle Paintball. Some uh, some Mike Norton action back then, right? Yep. Oh, yep. Uh, dude, I missed that guy. Mike, Mike Norton was there all the time. Uh, Joey Mitchell owned it at the time, and um, it was kind of it was kind of a historic place, honestly. Uh, that's where Stephen Porterfield started playing. Uh, Robbie Pettinelli started playing there. Um, Mike Norton, I mean, he's he's a legendary player from back then. He played there, so kind of it was kind of cool you know at the time you didn't really know how big of players were really there yeah you didn't know how big it was going to get yeah that's a that's another unique thing about a couple of the you included a couple of people that i have on the list to talk to was like the powder keg that was like north carolina like between like 98 and like 2001 so to speak and obviously it turned into you know all the way to you know trauma women the world cup um, but yep. just like the powder keg of all of like how intermeshed all of us were there at the time, like how many of us knew one another. Um, you're going to hate me for asking this, and I feel like a jerk. All I've ever known you as is either Alex or Quaz. How do you say your last name? Quaznica. What is it? Quaznica. Quaznica. I feel like a jerk because yep. I only ever called yep. you Alex or Quaz or your dad, like Big Quaz or whatever, but I never... Like, no one yeah. ever took the time to tell me how to pronounce your last name, and I'm a jerk because it took me this long to ask. Nah, it's all good. Yeah, man. Uh, so your first competition was in 2001. That's what I would say, like, my first big competition, you know? Like yeah. Like I said, I played, uh, we played a couple three-mans at Triangle to kind of kind of get our feet wet, and uh, my dad actually started playing... Um, Another another local legend, Chase Chase Thomas. He actually got my dad playing a little bit. We we played at Triangle Paintball, and I went home, you know, back to Minnesota to go to school. And you know, they kind of asked my dad, "Hey, you wanna you wanna play on the local team?" And he actually started playing. 
What part of uh, what part of Minnesota did you live in? I lived. I grew up in Moose Lake, Minnesota, which is uh, on the eastern side of the state. Um, probably, probably about an hour south of Duluth, Minnesota, by Lake Superior, and probably two hours north of Minneapolis. So, so kind, of, uh, kind of, kind of in the middle of the state. Um, it, if I wanted to play at a field that was competitive, it would have been probably an hour and a half drive easy and it just at the time that just really i mean we <laughs> we barely left town to you know get groceries yeah. you know it just kind of just didn't really leave town uh last i think it was last year or maybe about a year and a half ago i had the opportunity to actually see minnesota the first time we were, um, I've been doing, like I said, I'm, I'm a reservist, a Navy reservist, and uh, I'm an air crewman, so we actually, we fly around quite a bit. And uh, we were coming back from um, uh, the Pacific, we were coming back from Japan, and it went from Japan to Alaska, Alaska to Duluth, and then Duluth back to D.C. where I'm stationed. And uh, I remember flying over Minnesota, and I was like, well, how about that? Thousand Lakes. What, uh, what, what time of the year was it? Oh, let's see here. Um... I think it was I think it was closer to summer because I can remember not freezing my ass off in Alaska okay yeah it was because winter time probably would have been crazy just because it's just since there's so many lakes and just snow and it's just white everywhere or uh, you know if you would have went across in the fall the colors in the fall are just insane fantastic nice man I just remember flying okay. over Sorry. Yep, yep. Like I was like, huh, about that. Thousand lakes. And we're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Cool man. Uh okay, so talked about uh, you know, where you're from, how you got started. Let's talk about Fight Club, man. How did that how'd you get roped into that? So, um I've always been a fan of old school guns. Um I've always been a fan of Yeah, I saw that Jeff was out there. Like, it's crazy that, because I think uh, Jeff from Traumahead, I think he lives down in, like, Florida now. 
And so that would have been a trek for him just to go up there just to film that because I know that he's the one that got a lot of the footage of like the 20 on 20 stuff yep, you guys yep. did just for shits and giggles on like the old chainsaw field and stuff. But yep, uh, yep. that's intense, man. That's crazy. And then, so that was before or after uh, Tim had done the initial ICC. So the Fight Club 10 Man was actually first. Um, Tim did the ICC, I believe. Let's see. I guess I guess I don't know if there was a year gap or if he did it that summer. Um, but either way, I mean, you know, props to everything that he's done with that. Oh, um, dude, yeah. It's 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 probably I mean I would say that ICC is like the World Cup of ten man. I mean that's where everybody wants to go. So I lucked out when it comes to ICC because I'm married into a family that's from Pittsburgh. So before I ever got back into so I stopped playing for like years. I stopped playing pretty much when I joined the Navy because all my disposable income went away. Um, whenever you first joined. And then uh, for a long time, I didn't even, I wouldn't even open up Warpig because I'm like, if I get into this, I'm like, like, I'm not going to be able to get back out of it. You know what I mean? And uh, oh, yeah. as soon as I was like, Iron City, oh, I'm into this. And uh, yeah, so actually this year, I'm just going to be crashing on my in-laws and just driving down the road more or less. But uh, I fell in love with that town long before I ever got back into paintball. It's uh, It's been pretty, it's been pretty cool. Uh, Ryan Hart from uh, Trauma, I talked to him about it and he's got different opinions about it because according to him it's as bad as like the worst parts of jersey but to each his own i guess i don't know man but uh yeah so i think like in quick succession it was the the fight club thing and then there was the i think lane had that event in georgia and then uh iron city we're somewhere like pretty close in that three i'm i'm real fuzzy on a lot of history uh after i after i jumped ship for a little while but uh, i could, I could Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Lanes, Lanes was in December, um, and that that was that was in the very beginning too. And that I mean that was a that was a big event. I mean, um, really kind of surprised he hasn't had another one there because everybody loved it. Um, I mean, maybe maybe if anything, it just it. I mean, we almost ran out of room back then, and as popular as everything is now, it might just yeah, I yeah, guess. the venue, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but that was a great event. Um, we did uh, uh, we we did one at Rico's, um, in Florida. I can't remember what he called that one, Gator, Gator Cup or something. Maybe it was. We played one of those. Um, we we've done the CF away. Yep, I was I was at that first one with you. Yep, yep. And then uh definitely had to I had just started a new job when the second one happened and I had to had to skip that because I was gonna have to uh burn two weeks of leave because uh, of COVID. And yeah, I and I yeah. just just gotten out of uh we'll just call it active duty. It's kind of a weird place that I was in, but we'll just call it active duty, but I had just gotten out of that and just rolled right back into that new job. So yep. I was uh, pretty upset about that. But uh, you're you're doing ICC or ICPL and ICC this year, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing I'm doing ICPL with Tantrum. Uh, shout out to Josh for keeping that team alive, and giving me a home to go back to. Um, so I'm doing the ICPL. We're doing the ICPL, and uh, luckily again, it's right down the road for me. It's Chesapeake Beach, which is. I don't know, it's like a two-hour drive versus, like, I drive four hours just to go down to Raleigh just to goof off with you guys sometimes, but, um, or wherever the field's at. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I'm doing that, and then uh, I'm I'm part of the veteran militia group. Uh, okay. That, that bunch of guys. So that's actually how I got my foot in the door to play ICC. So Chris and all those guys. Funny enough, Chris actually grew up down the, down the road from where I grew up, and whenever I say that, you talk about like how small uh, Minnesota is, or maybe the places you are at. 
Uh, I'm originally from a town of less than 200 people out in western Oklahoma. Okay. And so he's actually, I grew up in a little town. I was raised in a little town called Butler. We moved to the city at some point because the jobs just weren't there. And he's actually from, um, he's just from the outskirts of a town called Clinton, which is the town I was born in, which is a bigger town than the town that I grew up in. And right. uh, he grew up in the outskirts of there. Every time I talk to him, he's like, yeah, I grew up off of Route 66, which is just like a service road that runs through the whole way. So it's, yep. it's pretty funny. I don't like to talk about it too, too, too much. He's a, I don't know if I want to call him a talkative guy and be uh, sarcastic about it, but he's a good dude. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's that. Uh, so you said you went to Rico's and they had the Gator Ball. Lucky That dude's lucky to be alive. You see the, the car wreck he got in a few years ago or last year? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So is so is Rico's place different than Tiki's? Are those two different places? Yes. Um, okay. Tiki Tiki is the name of the field, and that is man. See, I don't really know Florida at all. <laughs> what sucks um, is like I've been vacationing there a lot, and I actually went over by uh, where all the, the damage guys are at, and didn't get, didn't stop by because I was too busy doing the the vacation thing. I know. I know the Tiki Ten Man was at Yeah. And I know that uh, Rico's is, I believe, called Gator Paintball. And I feel like we were kind of near Orlando, maybe. All right. We spend a we spend more time in Florida than I care to talk about because initially I hated that state, but it's definitely growing on me over the years. Uh, but yeah, I'll have to check depends, that out next time it, I'm there. It, de- it depends on the time of the year. For sure. Yes. It's definitely go in the winter time. It's it's hot and humid no matter what, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I I have been exposed to worse heat, but uh, that doesn't mean that I like to be in any heat at all. I'm a, I'm a cold weather guy. Yep. Uh, so here's a question that I'm gonna start asking everybody that nobody likes to talk about. Uh, all these other podcasts people like to talk about, dude, I joined this team or I moved cross country and then I got on this team or I did this or you know everybody's shooting like thousand dollar guns and stuff like that I've always been a broke ass you know me um but how did you pay for how do you pay for this I, I mean some of it's I mean if you strip it like a nursing home let me know if not then I mean it's a, it's kind of a personal question but at the same time like uh I remember like as a kid trying to remember or trying to think like how do people afford this like how do they make this happen and um you know I got a, I got a little bit of insight on the fact that like all pros don't drive, you know, like Escalades and stuff like that. Like they have very real lives, very real jobs and things like that. Or maybe there's a hustle that they're into that other kids don't know about, you know? And so maybe kids that really want to be a professional player or really play, you know, X-Ball or classic or whatever at the highest levels, like what can they maybe start doing? Obviously, you know, a lot of us had, uh, had pretty good deals, like trying to like Mark, for instance, at gotcha. Like we helped him out and, did a lot of stuff at the field and so on and so forth that I mean not everybody has that option and so uh, if you do want to talk about it cool if you don't want to talk about it um, we can move on to other stuff but uh, how do you how do you make the make the lifestyle work for you so I would say realistically 99% of it, it it comes down to money I mean realistically even even pros I mean pretty much might get some discounts, but nothing is free. I not, mean, whether it's more. travel, yeah. whether it's, you know, just, there's just always going to be an expense. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it kind of just depends on kind of just, you know, like, I, I guess it, as crazy as it sounds like life choices, like, do you want to play paintball kind of, you know, almost as a career, a secondary job, or do you want to have a family you know I mean it kind of sounds crazy but you know once you once you kind of 
fair enough. We can get that. We'll go with life choices, I think, is a good summary of that. I think uh, whenever I was younger, I definitely spent more time uh, chasing girls or paying more attention to my girlfriend at the time than I could have uh, as far as playing paintball. I might have gotten a little bit further had I not done that. But like you said, it comes down to life choices, and you gotta, if you want to play paintball, then it's got to be at the forefront, you know what I mean? And that's not to say right. that you know, going to college or having a family or graduating and doing whatever is a bad thing. That's, those are good life goals to have, but you know, they are going to have their own, uh, they're going to have their own toll, so to speak on, on playing ball, man. It's, it's an expensive sport. It's an expensive hobby. I mean, I don't know if I even want to call it a sport anymore some days. Um, just cause no one's driving Lambos yet. I haven't seen one professional player drive a Lambo from, from doing this. So, Oh, for sure. The, at, the atmosphere, everybody's more relaxed. Everybody's more about having fun. You know, you're 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 shaking everybody's hand before the game and after. Usually, you know, and and even even when there is a heated moment, it it, it lasts twenty minutes and then everybody everybody's cool again in the pits. You know, it's just it's just awesome. And you know, practice and commitment is still part of it. If you if you want to be competitive but uh it's definitely not like x-ball you know you're not you're not having two-a-day practices and you're not having um it's just not the same commitment at all yeah you're not devoting like a large chunk of your life to to being semi-pro right exactly yeah that's what that is one of the one of the things I do and don't like about the situation I'm in right now as far as like I'm I'm 100% trying to be dedicated to this this 10 man this mechanical things like that god forbid someone come out with 7 man again ooh that'd be that'd be dangerous but uh it sucks cuz I've got NR right down the street and that is probably one of the best run places next to central that I've ever seen uh, and then I've got another place down the road here Southern Maryland Paintball and they host um Brawl and those dudes come straight up ball. And I'm like, dude, I'm right in the middle of a mecca again. But, you know, life choices being what they are. Like, I've got a responsibilities. Like, i got to put food on the table, but I still like to play paintball. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to yep, yep. trying to stick with the classic thing, especially since we have uh, at least that resource now. Oh, yeah. Oh, what else we got here? Um, you got any advice for younger players? Or if you could, if you could change anything, would you change it? Yeah, yeah, I go back and forth between buying trilogies and throwing pumpkins on them, uh, and and getting rid of them between needing some gas money and or go, like having something to take out to the field where I'm not, you know, 
going into ramping or anything like that, but still getting some um, some snap shooting going on. But I still got to find time being, to play. So being on Auto Conquer Fight Club, I'm probably going to catch some flack for this, but I, I really think like an Emic is one of the best guns out there. It's you know it, it, it's kind of a little bit of an investment. I think they went up from 200 to like 250 or something like that. But at the same time, I mean it's such a I, I may or may not have a hot rod at EMAC. Um, I, if you have the right parts or you can find the right parts, uh, talking about being a broke ass, I've actually got an Etha 2. Um, it, it works. You know, it does. I, I played, I just went out and uh, played a couple of uh, points up at NR with the Etha 2, and you couldn't tell the difference between me shooting or someone else shooting other than when we took the gun out into the pits. But uh, if you have the right parts, you can actually swap the same way that you would go from a, a 170 to a, a an M170, uh, and you can go from an Etha 2 to a uh, an Emac. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So I found found a way to do that, and I've, I've got of course I've got like the the hair valve and all of other stuff in there, and that thing just absolutely rips. Um, I've got an enemy for a backup, which is nowhere near the same, but uh, for uh, the price, you can't really beat the the enemy. Too, yeah. as far as yep, yep. just throw a CP barrel on one of those things, and it's everything you need it to be. But uh, my my soup du jour, so to speak, is definitely that Emac. That thing will just straight rip, even with a single trigger. What do you think of the uh, legalities of the hair valve owning uh, one and an Emac? So, um, I don't know, man. I can shoot my Emac pretty damn fast. Uh, especially with a hair valve. I can also shoot an enemy pretty damn fast. Um, and a CVO, I can shoot pretty fast. Uh, I think I think as long as you keep it a single trigger and you don't, like there's there's videos of dudes like butterflying on the single trigger. I know, I know Antle gets all kinds of wound up about this. Uh, but at the same time, like I've got videos that I can show them where I, I can rip on a hinge trigger cocker. You know, it just depends on who's shooting the gun. Uh, yep. As far as legality, it's not an RT. You know, I'm not out there like throwing down with yep. a, with a Tom K Designs RT. You know, but um, I don't know. It's right on the ragged edge of of uh, intent versus execution. Yeah. Yep. But uh, I can I can tell you like watching videos of some other dudes shooting them. People are gonna hold them up and just jam their finger in there and, and shoot the same way as if they had a mag or a cocker or an enemy or a CVO or whatever. That's just how some people are gonna shoot. And some people, um, you know, a lot of guys on the, you know, uh, like Carl on the Playing Out podcast talks about it quite a bit. He was like, shooting fast is a skill. So if you have a gun like with the hair valve that you can shoot fast, it's still a skill to shoot it quickly. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, some people are going to stick their finger in there, but they're obviously not going to be as accurate as someone who can bring it up, line it up, and be able to shoot quick. So uh, I will say that it is right on the edge of intent versus execution. Yeah. I hope I hope maybe gave you a good answer to that. but Yeah, I, can, I agree. I agree. Uh, would you change anything? Because I mean, we talked about life choices and stuff like that. I guarantee 100% I would, if I could go back and kick myself in the ass uh, earlier in my life, I would have said, like, hey, uh, you know, girls will, will be around. And don't get me wrong, some of the girls that I would whip had good times, and they were great people. But uh, definitely took a chunk out of uh, the ability to, to, to play pro or, or really um, progress, so to speak. That's just, you know, me. I mean, I think I think it's just like anything. While some people, while some people look at uh, my choices, or even other people that are, you know, lifelong paintballers, it's kind of, you know, every now and again you think maybe uh, a family and a house, and you know, growing up <laughs> wouldn't have been a bad choice, but you know, it is what it is. It's never too late, brother. Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> 
ride that wave, brother. I can take it for yep. what it is. Did you, uh, I've got a couple other notes here before I get into shout outs and on the way outs and things like that. Did you uh, catch into the Woods Bowl World Cup stuff? Yeah, the, the underground, right? Yep, underground. You guys, you guys wear that guy's stuff, right? Uh, what does that say? It's enjoy paintball, yep. Yeah. Yep, he made us uh, some pretty sick long sleeves. Yeah, he uh, uh, he put that up on his page. He's like, we're making koozies. Who wants a koozie? Yeah. He was like, answer like, what's your favorite kind of beer? And I was like, fucking free. And <laughs> yeah, he sent exactly. me he sent me a koozie. say consistency is the hardest thing in this sport man yep yep it is it definitely is and you can't you can't ever take it for granted i mean you know if the first event was hard the next ones are going to be harder because now everybody's gunning for you you know so you 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 you, you can't you can't make any mistakes yeah you're going to get a couple extra in the neck on the way out too every time <laughs> the only scenarios I ever got to be a part of were ones that uh, I think they tried to have a couple of them. Did you ever play at Bunkers? I never made it to Bunkers. Bunkers was around maybe just for a tiny bit before Triangle. Like, I don't, were Bunkers and Triangles ever open at the same time? Uh, so let me give you my breakdown of the timeline. Uh, I, moved to, I moved to Raleigh in 97. <clears throat> uh... Shortly thereafter, met the guys that opened uh, that opened up bunkers. Uh, the two that I can remember are, are Chris Conti was one of the guys that opened it. Another guy named Tony Gata. Um, actually, parked at Tony Gata's house whenever I went to high school in Raleigh because <laughs> okay. I didn't have a parking spot at the at the high school. Um, so those guys opened up bunkers, and then uh, that's where I met Tyler. Uh, Tyler was yeah. actually with a with a church group. First time I met him. Uh, later on, that's where I met uh, Frank and Mike and uh, a lot of the guys. That's uh, Jeff actually worked there for a little while, Jeff from Trauma Head, and that's how I met him. Uh, and then uh, that was 97, 98, around 98, 99 is whenever uh, Frank had really kind of like taken over uh, the field. This is obviously years ago, so I'm just trying to go with the best recollection I have. So around 99 is when Frank took over the field. And then uh, that's whenever we went to World Cup. That's flip mode. Uh, played that 10-man. And then uh, I had a, I don't know what happened, where I kind of did and didn't play for a little bit of time after that. That's like real fuzzy, but I just didn't do the bunkers thing. Uh, and I'd gone out to I'd gone out to Triangle and uh, ran into Mike there. And so I played there, I think, once or twice. And then somehow I got wrapped up in Gotcha. And then I was at Gotcha for the rest of the time until, until I moved. But I know that Triangle and bunkers was for a very brief time open at the same time but I know that uh, Triangle's on its way up as Bunkers was on its way down so to speak because that's uh, yeah. that's when I met Chase because I think Chase was like 12 whenever I met him uh, uh -huh. and that's whenever Frank was like trying to build another team or something like that and then Chase ended up going over to Triangle so yeah so when I when I got to Triangle all those guys were already there so that must have been either Bunkers was way on its way out or they had already closed. Yeah. I can't, I know that CFOA was 2001, so I'm going to say I probably maybe started there in either 99 or 2000. So believe it or not, my first CFOA wasn't until 2018 as a three-man. Really? 
Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, I played. So at the time, I played at Gotcha. Uh, Mark sponsored us. Uh, yeah. Mark Hilliard, um, and he sponsored my team. But he had a thing going on with Bambi, uh, Bambi Bullard, and uh, I guess he needed to have a team to uh, to go to that uh, that series, so to speak. So I ended up playing that series, and then uh, Tantrum ended up going to CFOA, and CFOA was just. A way way better circuit to play and I just I'd gotten tra- I don't know if I want to say trapped I could have left at any time but I mean Mark was paying for me to go so whatever I went but uh, ACTS wasn't wasn't near uh, what uh, even like the worst CFOA could have been I would say I would say that being in the Carolinas and having the CFOA kind of skews numbers though because really in the beginning the AC Played uh, I played the 2001 series uh, with ACTS, and um, I played that whole series that whole year. And then uh, the next year, um, a bunch of guys had left. Uh, I don't know if you remember Mikey, like Mikey didn't or Mikey in, and then another guy on, on GBZ wanted to play. Uh, basically, just want to like ride off. I don't know if you remember Dave, Big Dave, not. Not Big Dave that passed away that ran the field, but the other Big Dave. Uh, he actually, he's actually the guy that hosts Airtime Paintball. If you've ever watched that, um, really? Yeah, the guy. If you ever watch Airtime Paintball, the guy that hosts that, Dave, uh, was on the team with me uh, on GPZ. And um, anyway, so he had gone. I think he'd gone to Tennessee or something like that. So like basically, the team had fallen apart, and I had to rebuild with a couple of the guys. Uh, it was me, uh, Andy. You know, Andy Forbes. Yep. It was me and Andy and a, and a couple other guys, and we had uh, rebuilt a, a team called Zero. We went for the first, um, the first event that year, and only one amateur team had showed up. And so Bambi was like, "Well, everybody's going to get a spin on the amateur team," and uh, they were they were crushing everybody, and we were the only team that actually put up a fight. Uh, they beat us eventually, but uh, we they have, I think they beat us with like thirty seconds left on the clock or something like that because we just. They, they right, blew the right. horn, and everybody, I was like, everybody just turn around and shoot. Don't go anywhere. Just turn around and shoot. Don't let them go anywhere. And yep, uh, yep, yep. it worked out a little, for a little while. Uh, but that's that's ACTS. Oh, um, yeah, man, you got any shout-outs? I mean, you guys you guys are like a, a flagship for JT basically right now, right, for Fight Club? guys and John Dresser in bed together getting some of that JT stuff going on? Danny Love. Years later, yeah. that dude's still cranking out artwork. Yes, our, our guns, our guns are solid. Um, and I mean, even free flow. Uh, we've had a couple guys when the calibers came out. We had a couple guys that were rocking the calibers before our Gen threes came out. And um, I know, uh, like the ultralights. I uh, I actually pre-ordered one of the ultralights because I'm I'm uh, I'm really excited to see how those turn out. Uh, I like the slide frames more than I like any kind of the gunfighter or, you know, anything like that. So I think an ultralight slide frame could be pretty awesome. <laughs> I uh, I grew up playing with a mag initially. Mm-hmm. 
So I've got just like my my trigger memory is uh, I do much better with the hinge frame on a cocker. Uh, I mean, once I figured out how to, like you got to tell everybody that ever shoots one, pull the trigger all the way back, let it go all the way forward. Um, yep. Once yep. I once I figured out those mechanics, it was still hard to get rid of that that hesit the the muscle memory for a mag. So a, a hinge frame for me is what works best. But it's uh it's still a I tell people it's like a farm truck or it's like a hot rod. I was like, when it works, it works. And that's awesome. When it doesn't work, it's going to take a minute to fix it. So, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's part of the reason that I shoot the Emacs kind of dummy proof. So good for me. Yep, yep. Um, let's see who else. We got uh, Powerhouse, Powerhouse Regs. Um, I would have never really thought that a tank reg would make a difference, but our consistency, honest to God, is tighter. Really? Um, th those regs are solid. Nice, man. They, they, uh, they kind of, you know, in a picture they look a little bit bigger, but they're really not any heavier than any other reg. And like I said, uh, rock solid consistency. Um, we've got powerhouse regs, but uh, most of us have Ninja bottles. I think, uh, I think we still we still work with Ninja on uh, most of our custom actually ninja bottles and uh those have usually i think those come with a fight club ninja reg so i mean you know nothing against ninja i mean they're definitely solid also by all means i mean you know plus or minus two versus plus or minus five i mean you know paint these days you're i mean we played an event where it was like plus or minus 20 because the paint is just all over the place yeah and with an autococker, you know, you, you've got to kind of four match. And if, if your paint is inconsistent, your chronographing is just terrible. Yeah. Um, it was funny coming back to the sport after such a long break to see how much technology had caught up with so many things. As far as, you know, it used to be you could get a light tank that was going to cost you money or you could get a cheap tank that was going to be heavy or it wasn't going to be as consistent or anything like that. And it's... Uh, uh, you still have, like you said, powerhouse and ninja bottles and stuff like that. Like the top end is always going to be the top end, but it was really cool to see that gap get real narrow uh, between just top-notch equipment. And um, oh, and it's it's wild. Like uh, like the Ninja SL2 tanks or whatever. Have you have you picked one up? I haven't, man. Uh, I'm a I'm a veteran militia guy, so I've got a lot of HK stuff. So I've got a I got an HK bottle. Yeah, that's but, um. I think. Anyway, tanks, tanks these days compared to tanks, any tank these days compared to the tanks back in the day, it's it's pretty wild. I've got an old Crossfire tank that I swear it's twice as heavy as any of the new tanks. Yep, I've actually got my old Crossfire sitting out in the garage right now with like no no gauge on it, no anything. If I ever just feel like picking something up and finger banging it, but I want the whole thing put together. I, I throw, yeah, yep, I, I yep. throw that on there. Um, yeah, it's still cool to see how, how much stuff has changed, uh, as far as the prices go and things like that. But, um, what are you guys, uh, man, everybody's talking on the chat and it's showing up on the screen. So we'll see that later. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, are you guys sponsored by any particular paint company? Hey, it works, right? Yeah, and sometimes sometimes having the ability to be free to choose is is an advantage at events. You know, it just it just happens. Sometimes a bad batch of paint makes it there, and the teams that have to shoot it they struggle. Yeah, got it. Uh, any shout outs to any any particular people or anything like that? Anybody you want to thank? 
yeah, for sure I can get that and kind of not not get stuck in a rut, so to speak. Got it, man. All right. Well, you have successfully answered all the questions that I had put yeah. down. You uh, you actually threw down quite a bit more than uh, you were giving yourself credit for. Uh, Alex, it's a blast to talk to you, man. It's so awesome to catch up. I mean, it's really cool to see you, uh, you know, go from kid and talking to your dad out at the field to uh, now you're rocking out pro. And I, I love seeing all the photos that pop up, man, because you're super photogenic, man. Every time there's an yeah. event, I'm like, there's Alex, there's Alex. I'm in Japan looking at event photos, and I'm like, there's Alex. You know, I can pick nice. you out of a lineup any day of the week, so it's pretty cool. Um, but I think that's going to be it for tonight. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you whenever we're up at ICPL. We're going to have to break bread and have a beer together. And, uh, Definitely. Yeah, brother, uh, to many more times, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Take it easy, brother. Have a good night. Yep, you too. Have a good one. All right, later. Welcome back, everybody. That was Alex Quaz, Fight Club. Had a good time catching up, talking about the past. In the future, look forward to many more stories and tales of all your favorite pros of past and present on our next episode of Relic, a classic paintball podcast. <laughs>